This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. When we talk about breaking generational trauma, yeah, I've got some generational trauma that I had to unpack and unload and be okay with daddy issues. Because I think that's the difference is I'm not expecting my daddy issues to go away. I'm expecting to be able to identify, oh, oh, no, I am feeling this way because of abandonment issues. Oh, no, I am feeling this way because I have trust issues. If I can identify, oh, here is where I'm getting triggered and it's not because my children are screaming in my face. This is something deeper. This is something inside me as a person. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the lovely Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? We are starting the month of February off with laughter and fun because I think we need a little more, more funny, more funny, right, Brie? We do need. Well, actually, if you ask me, we are quite hilarious behind closed doors. <laughs> we were laughing with Gwenna when she came on, our guest today, who you're going to enjoy so, so much. Just a heads up, this podcast, please put those headphones in your ears for it because it is for adults only, this episode. It's true to the title of her amazing book, Mama Cusses. So let us put us out there right now. But we were laughing so hard before we even started the interview. We're like, we're just going to hit record. Let's just hit record. And you could hear this banter back and forth. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were really relating on the whole having teens, man. It's mm -hmm. teens are a, I mean, every stage of parenting has got its struggles and its challenges. And I've said this a million times before, but teens are just like preschoolers, but with better vocabulary. And our particular mm -hmm. point of bonding here was how the teens like to use their vocabulary against us. <laughs> and you're going to hear it at the beginning of this episode. So Gwyneth Lathlin, she is the creator of Mama Cusses, 
CEO of Pleasant Peasant Media, host of the Childproof Podcast from Betches Media, and author of Mama Cusses, a field guide to responsive parenting and trying not to be the reason your kids need therapy, which drops on March 3rd, 2024. We have a link in the show notes to pre-order. You can find her on TikTok and Instagram on her popular channel at Mama Cusses, and we hope you enjoy our interview with Gwyneth. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Yeah. Early in the pre-show, we were talking about how much we loved your best of 2023 TikTok and the the use of teenage slang and like her pulling out the Oreo, the double stuff Oreo. She's like, Oreo dupe? You're like, that's a real that's Oreo. A real Oreo. <laughs> what, what, what the, what's a dupe then? What's I a, thought a dupe was a fake. We have real mo- Oreo money in this house now, kid. I, right? <laughs> There's no Hydrox. <laughs> My opinion is that they just make it up on the fly. My husband and I don't even try anymore. We will intentionally use all the slang we possibly can wrong just to piss them yeah. off, just to make. And it's only my daughter that cares. My son doesn't even answer ever. He just stares. You just get the stare. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, mm. judging. Well, and you is the master of these little passive aggressive head shakes. Yeah. Oh, just, really? No, mom. Just the tiniest little wiggle of the head is just the utmost disappointment in everything I am as a person and a parent. It's a side eye. It's the Thanks, side kid. eye. And you're like, <laughs> God, I just, I don't even know. Were we like that to our parents when we were teens? Yes. Probably. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, parents are a real bitch. <laughs> I get right? called them cringy all the time. Mom, oh, don't say that. Yeah. That's cringe. That's cringe. I was just a race this weekend, actually. And like, you know, they say it so much that you get like this pleasure out of making them cringy. You want to like push it to the farthest. And so- I get chuggy too. Do you get chuggy? No. No, I've never heard chuggy. I chugi. have heard that on the Holderness family. They did something about that, but I, I haven't heard that word yet out of my kids. Yeah. So, so chuggy is like when we say we're adulting, it is the most millennial millennialisms. It's chuggy. So there's yeah. cringe and anybody can be cringe, but, oh. but Chugi is acting like one of those 2007 Buzzfeed millennials. <laughs> That's Chugi. <laughs> and every millennial went, Oh, I, I, I know that one. Uh, no, I was, I was taught that one. I'm going to use that and see if my kids even know that one. Maybe I'll get a one up on that. Maybe it's like, regional. I, there are a bunch of, I learned from a Keith Lee TikTok, a new slang that I'm not even going to use because I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm scared to say the word. <laughs> like, like, maybe that's not one of the words I'm allowed to say because I am mayonnaise colored. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there. I want to yeah. be respectful, but I don't understand. <laughs> None of it makes any sense. Nope. No. But the worst thing is that th- we're cooler than our parents were, though. Yeah. No. Except for probably no. saying the exact same things they did about our slang. I was going to say, eyebrow like- of skepticism. I don't know if I'm cooler than my mom was when my mom was 40. <laughs> I don't. I, I have not figured out the, the, the cool ranking scale well, of 
40. The fact of are you, uh, but are you the same age as your parents were? Like, I feel like I am still not as much of an adult as my parents were at my age. I am <laughs> failing at this. Adult I always thing. feel that way about myself. <laughs> like, yeah, I always feel that way about myself. You said that this morning. No, you're like, I'm still 17. Yeah. No, it's, it's weird because I'm entering the part where my body definitely reminds me how old I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my brain is like, no, nah, you're 18. try it anyway i was just actually talking about that this morning i'm like i am perpetually 17 in my head and i will go and i will do anything that my 17 year old self will do even more so now because i feel like being older has its benefits because you have this perception of the world now where it's like i really don't care what people think about me so (laughs) (laughs) when it's 17 you're so worried about everything I I tried to do a thing that should have been simple. So we have a breakfast bar mm-hmm. in my kitchen and I tried to hop up and sit on it, except it's breakfast bar height. And 17, 18 year old me definitely would have had the core and arm strength to hop up and sit on it. Instead, I bruised the lower part of my bag, just sort of like throwing oh, it into the countertop. That hurts. Because my 40 year old body was like, <laughs> bitch, no. <laughs> my brain was like you can do this my body was like are you sure (laughs) oh no see i love this conversation because these are things that like we as moms are people foremost instead of parents and i feel like so many parenting books like yours coming out soon mama cusses in particular like don't regard the mom as the person first it's all about the parenting instead of the person and yours really digs in to the person and i feel like i got to know you so much just through your introduction and how much you hate brown i hate brown <laughs> and as soon as you started talking about your dad too, I'm like, oh, something happened there because there are a lot of adjectives describing that. Like the first way you introduce him, you're like, he had the minds of a toddler. <laughs> Explain some more about that. <laughs> so uh my my dad was very funny and he was very dense. There there was a point at which things could have gone very different for him, but they didn't. And he made some choices that are questionable at best. And he was really funny. That's where mm-hmm. I got my humor. So for as much as I will trash talk my dad, because he, he dipped when I was 11 and then he came back when I was 17 and it was weird. But... I will say that my trauma didn't make me funny. My genetics did because my dad was hilarious and he knew it, but he also knew that that's all he had because uh, someone could out talk him the minute he couldn't make a joke of it anymore. Now, he was an absolute shoebox. Just, I haven't heard that description before. A shoebox. Yes. So small and empty yeah thin and easily discardable oh Um, oh, okay (laughs) for for growing up essentially i had to describe that part is because a lot of my parenting decisions came from daddy issues Mm. (laughs) when we talk about breaking generational trauma yeah i've got some generational trauma that i i had to unpack and unload and be okay with daddy issues because i think that's the difference is i'm not expecting my daddy issues to go away i'm expecting to be able to identify oh Oh, no, I am feeling this way because of abandonment issues. Oh, no, I am feeling this way because I have trust issues. Oh, no, I am feeling this way. If I can identify, oh, here is where I'm getting triggered. And it's not because my children are screaming in my face. This is something deeper. This is something inside me Mm -hmm. as a person. I say in my book a ton of times, gentle parenting or responsive parenting starts with you. 
the parent. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have always. to get good at your own emotions. You have to get it good, good at your own problems. And if you are coming into parenthood with generational trauma on board, you have to be able to look at that and go, nope, nope, that's my f-ed up brain. Yep. Being yeah. f-ed up. Yep. No, that's 100%. We have a whole podcast episode, Joanne, right? Like where we talk about like so many times we are parenting through fear. But if we don't realize we're parenting through fear, we're just making it 20 times worse. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting, too, because once you realize your own traumas, if you think about it in a way where a lot of people get triggered by their kids and are like, you know, my kids aren't respecting me or my kids Mm -hmm. are saying these things to me and then they feel bad themselves in that moment. We are trying to gain our self-respect from a four or five year old. And if you think about it like that, you're like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, what does this four or five-year-old know about it? They're not even good at being a person yet, but let them them define me. Yes, let them define me. (laughs) Exactly. I still need their acceptance like I did of the other teens when I was a teen. What is going on here? I was was a people pleaser and my daddy left me. Please stop acting like this. No, it's it's so funny, though, when we think about it that way, we're like, whoa, we want them to yeah. define us. And then you realize that, OK, I need to teach this little person how mm-hmm. to people. And something I really enjoyed in your book is all of the little nicknames that you give <laughs> to your kids and what you call them. And uh, we're going to get into it right after this break. Hey, all it is Joanne and Brie here, and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. One of uh, like my first introductions, Gwena, to your the nicknames and everything that you give people is what you call babies. <laughs> your pet names, <laughs> Womb Fruit, Chaos yeah. Goblin. My sex trophy. <laughs> that one was very funny. <laughs> I get that. That is the one that the minute I call a child a sex trophy, I get two <laughs> things that happen. First of all, most people are like, oh, my God, they are sex. Tro- I had sex. I got a trophy. And then I get the other part that like, that's disrespectful to your children. Sharon, I am not looking at my child and calling it a sex trophy to his face. <laughs> No, my other favorite was evicted parasite. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, so my sister and I were just talking about this this weekend. She is six months pregnant and she mm-hmm. absolutely hates being pregnant. I and hated I, it. yeah, so I hated I. being pregnant as well. And like, people like see like, oh, it's this beautiful, wonderful thing. Well, yeah, after they're out of your stomach and not invading your body anymore, I'll look at them and be like, this is amazing, but get look, them out. These kids cost me yogurt. Any hope I have of making my own iron? <laughs> they're parasites, all right? They permanently rearranged my innards. My entire abdomen just splits in the center and there's nothing oh. I can do about it. Yes, they're parasites. But that doesn't mean that they're not lovable parasites. They're lovable. They're the cutest parasites ever. Ever. Yeah. My kids were just harsh. They were harsh little parasites. My my son <laughs> used my placenta as his personal punching bag. So I was hospitalized <laughs> for almost that whole pregnancy. And then my daughter, I swear to God, she had fingernails and she was scratching her way out. <laughs> so I've got a teenager and then I've also got five-year-old twins. And how did my do that? twins, first of all, I carry real low. We're into pregnancy talk now. I carry real low. So they are like in my pelvis the whole time. Uh-huh. And then something I didn't have with the first one was something called round ligament pain. So those ligaments oh, that, yeah. that keep all of those muscles still. Yeah. Mine were real stretched out because they were two human beings right. tap dancing on them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan. No, when I read you had twins, I'm like one baby exhausted me at a time. Did, did twins sleep at the same time? Like, how do you even function? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> no. You know, honestly, I can't tell you how I did it because I have a theory about the newborn fog. And the newborn fog lasts anywhere. It starts from about mm, two weeks if your baby was born at term. Because the first two weeks, it's it's the honeymoon period. It's mm. a sentient meatloaf that <laughs> while it does need like a lot of attention, it, it's not so bad. But yeah. then after that two week-ish part, and and like some babies don't get the honeymoon period, they go like a hundred miles an hour into needy fucks. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the first year. It's just in the fog. It's in the fog. I don't remember the first three years of my son, really. I have to go back to pictures because, like, he didn't let me sleep for three years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, The Geneva Convention outlawed sleep deprivation as torture. But, yeah, let's have kids. Yeah. And let's let's leave it to mom to be the one who takes care of them 90% of the time. Right. 
Oh my gosh. So I was, okay. I was listening to another podcast about this and it's really interesting because she was talking about mom guilt. And first mm-hmm. of all, her obstetrician was like, Hey, are you going to hire maybe a night nurse for your baby? And she's like, that is such a privileged thing to do. Like hire yeah. a night nurse. And then her OB stopped her. She's like, wait a minute. What we are asked to do right now in society as women is just not what we're designed for. We were designed mm-hmm. to have babies in villages with many generations above us who could give the moms a break so that moms could sleep, so that moms could rest, so that moms can take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And this whole expectation nowadays that we should be able to do everything is just not what we as humans are designed for. And I found that so impactful and so well said. I read my Clean Duke Clef's Hunt, Gather, Parent, a mm. book I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And in it, she describes several various cultures that parent very differently than Western cultures. Mm-hmm. And one of them, the kids are raised entirely by the grandparents. The, the, the parents are there, but they're the ones who are still young healthy, agile, their joints aren't gone. They don't have arthritis. Cognitively, they're as healthy as they're ever going to be. And so they are out plowing fields and repairing roofs and standing up walls and doing all of the the work that maintains the village, that meets mm-hmm. the physical, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. there. And the grandparents are raising the kids. They're the ones maintaining their behavior. They're the ones training them up in the way of how we contribute and how we help. And that that mom who just had a baby and handed it off to her own mom, she will have a chance to raise her grandchildren. So there is an expectation of parenting, of community raising of the children. And there's no guilt. There's no shame in a mom having a baby going, oh, I love you. It's adorable. Here, mom. And then off she goes to do the work that she needs to do mm-hmm. without the sleep deprivation while she's not, I don't want to say it's a waste of the prime of our lives, but like for those of us who have kids in our twenties and thirties, we have a lot of capacity to do a lot more, but we spend two to three years in absolute fog mm-hmm. from being sleep deprived because yeah. an adult's sleep needs are not the same as a baby's sleep needs. No, no they're not. Not at all. They're not at all. Yeah, there is a lot of mom guilt that goes on with it. And Mm -hmm. in your book, you call your mom guilt Alice, which I I love. I love giving the other name for it. Why did you settle on Alice? I have no idea. (laughs) It just seems like an Alice. I I have never once put serious thought into anything I have ever named, including my children. Um, It was the vibe at the time, as the kids say. It was a vibe. Uh, it, It felt correct. I did try to put thought into my oldest name she was going to be Haley, and then she was born and i went not that and then when they asked me they're like okay so what's her name i was like i don't know they're like okay we're just gonna leave you with this large stack of paperwork for the birth certificate and the social security cards i was like abigail (laughs) (laughs) bring me that bring me that baby book first name there we go there we go abigail abigail please don't make me fill out the paperwork by myself i don't (laughs) That'd be pretty daunting. It'd be pretty daunting. We at No Guilt Mom, we like to call our mom guilt Bob. Bob is just a patriarchal male, basically. <laughs> Telling you all the stuff you're doing wrong. <laughs> but I want you to consider something because I have Alice and Alice gets a name, but Alice is my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom guilt is my friend. Now, she's not my favorite person. She's kind of a she's like a bitchy librarian she remembers everything 
everything. Mm -hmm. She catalogs every mistake I've ever made, every negative feeling I've had about an interaction with my children, with my children's teachers, and anything that possibly could have gone wrong, Alice remembers. And Mm -hmm. Alice likes to trot that out whenever she feels like it. But I appreciate Alice because while Alice is sometimes a little overexcited about reminding me of all the times that I nearly effed up my own kids. What that does is it gives me an opportunity to go, wait, I've been here before. Cause here comes Alice going, Hey, do you remember the last time we had a fight about the red cup versus the blue cup? How did you handle that? How did that go? Didn't go well, did it? You're going to do it again that way. Oh, okay. No, Alice, I will not handle it that way because it didn't go well last time. And so Alice is this constant reminder of this is the mistake you made. Do you want to try it again or do you want to try it a different way? That said, there is a whole other entity that lives in my head. Doesn't even get a name and it's mom shame. Mom shame is that feeling of worthlessness or like we don't deserve to do the things we need to take care of ourselves right Mm -hmm. so mom shame is what makes us feel like for wanting a shower that lasted longer than five minutes yeah Mm -hmm. but oh well now i'm asking my partner to watch the kids they're his kids (laughs) i'm here gendering them according to my relationship arrangement and he spends 40 minutes in the bathroom so like why why (laughs) Why am i feeling bad when i have i have the resources i have the support i have the network to just go take and everything all in one shower. If it can be scrubbed, sanded, gridded, or graded, I, I have the time to do that because I have that level of support and not all parents do, but I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mom shame wants me to feel bad about that. Mom shame is what remembers that time that you had to poop and that's when your baby decided it was dying of hunger. And so you're mid poop and it's losing its mind right there in front of you, but you can't do anything because again, mid poop yeah (laughs) so like distinguishing yeah this mom guilt and this mom shame i look at it a little different way the bob isn't really berating us as much the bob is like this Mm -hmm. overactive being that's trying to keep us safe is trying Mm -hmm. to tell us all these things that okay if you don't do this you're gonna lose your social connection basically but bob is like totally wrong and going about it the entirely different way. And so when Uh Bob starts overreacting, like our job is to comfort Bob and be like, okay, (laughs) this is, this is really what's going on. We can calm down. We could take a seat and it's going to be okay. But Mm -hmm. distinguishing between mom guilt and mom shame, I think is so good because mom guilt is the thing that tells you, Hey, I could do this a different way. I could do this better. And mom Mm -hmm. shame is like, you are a horrible, awful, no good person. And you don't deserve to be here, which is totally unproductive. And the way I recommend being able to, if, if you're going to go with a system of parsing out Alice, who is my mom guilt versus my mom shame, who's just a c**tosaurus rex, if we're going to parse those things out, the way that Alice doesn't get to get as antsy about it is apologies. The minute you realize, oh, I handled that not in a way that was conducive or helpful or useful in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I'm mad. They're mad. The toy is still broken. Nothing in that interaction went well. I'm going to apologize for it. And that is the thing that cools Alice's jets because then when she trots that back out, Hey, remember the time they knocked over the piggy bank and shattered Mm -hmm. it two days after getting it, you flipped your lid on that. And then you said, sorry. So now that you have discovered yet another broken piggy bank, how are you going to handle it? Because Mm -hmm. last time you had to apologize, 
which is good. You did good. How do we avoid getting to the point that you need to apologize again? That's what Alice does. And Alice is very much soothed by apologizing to your kids when you make the mistake, by helping them learn how to apologize, by showing them how to do it. That keeps Alice, okay, I'm going to be nice. Because when you don't have that sort of closure, that's when Alice gets to team up with mom shame and just make you feel like a trash human being every time you look at a piggy bank because you never resolved that. We'll be right back after a quick break. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Do you feel like Alice ever gets a little hyperactive with the apologizing yeah. and apologizing for stuff that Alice yeah. doesn't need to apologize for? <laughs> yeah. 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 She does. How, how do you um, treat her with that? Mostly I self-bully myself, but I am a millennial. So. <laughs> yeah. We learned I don't I don't re I don't recommend that the self-bullying um, the no for Alice getting a little over egregious with the want to apologize so true story the other day I said something and in the moment before it left my mouth I was like this is gonna piss the girl child off she is gonna hate this information mm -hmm. so I said it anyway because the information that was going to make her cry, that was going to infuriate her to the point of real grief and emotion was go put on your pajamas. It's bedtime. As she always, just, that's the most horrible thing in the world. <laughs> she just didn't want to do that. And and so there was a part of me that Alice was like, apologize to her. No, this is a valid boundary that I have set. Yeah. My child needs to go to bed. They have to get up at 630 in the morning to go to school. Like they need sleep. I haven't done anything wrong. I have simply given them a boundary that that very five-year-old brain was like, I don't like it. Okay, cool. You don't have to like it. Put your PJs on or sleep naked. I don't care, but go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to apologize for that. And Alice very much wanted me to like, you pissed her off. She's going to remember that. Yeah. She's going to talk about this in therapy when she's an adult. You're going to give her mommy issues now. 
<laughs> you yeah. look dickety. Now you've given mommy issues. How's yeah. about that? And and in that case, I, I had to like just back it up and be like, no, I am the adult here. Because Alice, by the way, is like a 14-year-old girl in my head. <laughs> Yeah, those fourteen-year-old girls. They are know quite they are. demanding, right. and they know Very everything. Demanding. And they do know everything. They know everything, and they're and illogical. Right. Uh, that's in no way to trash teenagers, but no. I have been a fourteen-year-old girl. So that's that's Alice is fourteen-year-old me, mm-hmm. deep into my emo phase, deep into my angst phase. Poetry written in red pen because it looked like blood. That's what Alice <laughs> is in my head. It's just fourteen-year-old me being hypercritical of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And then it's like the, the when you picture it as yourself, I feel like you're oh. able to be a lot more loving and compassionate mm-hmm. to that person and yeah. talk them through, talk them through their issues. Exactly. Yeah. What is coming up for you now that you're really excited about, Gwena? So my book, Mama Cusses, a field guide to responsive parenting and trying not to be the reason your kids need therapy from St. Martin's Press is out March 5th. It is available for pre-order now as we record. I'm not sure when this episode is coming out, but right now it is available for pre-order. I'm sure the the lovely humans at No Guilt Mom Podcast will uh, give you a link. Yes, there will be. There is a link below to pre-order. So yeah, that's available. And right now, if you pre-order the book, you can provide your proof of receipt, your proof of purchase to a different link, and we'll send you a free sheet of Mama Cuss's stickers. <gasps> You know, we love a good sticker over here at No Guilt Mom. We have all the stickers here. And yes, go get a pre-order of the book. And so you can get the stickers as well. Well, and these these are the good kind. I made them give me the... I would have had more stickers, but I made them give me the good kind that you can put on your water bottle and they will stay through the dishwasher cycle. Oh! Those are important. Those it's important. are special. Yeah. Those, those are those plasticky vinyl ones that'll stay. Yeah. You got to have them. <laughs> Else yeah. they just go away yeah. and it's no yeah. good. Well, I highly recommend getting Gwena's book. It is so funny, Gwena. I was laughing reading it and just like your sense of humor just tickles me. Uh, and where you say like your mom has a slow burn sense of humor, I feel like you have that too because like you did say something like, ah, I remember, yes. <laughs> so it's just completely enjoyable to read while putting that parenting information out there in a really doable way. So go get the book, pre-order it right now. And Gwena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Okay, so much I have to tell you, Brie, for this interview, because it brought up so many stories that I wanted to tell during it, and I couldn't because I'm like, that would get us off track. No, that would get us off track. No, that would get us off track. It's like constantly writing in my ADHD brain. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, Joanne. No. I had plenty of things that I was all like, oh, and you said this in your book, and I had that same thing happen to me. <laughs> yeah, we're like, focus. Yeah. Focus yeah, it was definitely yeah, it, it was definitely a, a practice and self-control and quieting that ADHD voice of like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you only have so long. Talk about what you have. <laughs> no, it's funny because when we were recording the intro, we mentioned about the struggles of having teenagers and how they're different than having toddlers and preschoolers. Well, I just spent some time with my preschool nephew over the weekend and Oh my gosh, I do not miss that age at all. What happened? (laughs) There's some things, like you get really great stories. And this is what I miss about it. You do get really great stories, but it is just exhausting. Like when we got to my parents' house, my nephew was there and he was spending the night and he was like bouncing off the walls kind of energy, like showing off for his cousins, just doing all these things. And his favorite word right now, is murder. Oh my God. Because <laughs> we were on the couch and he's like, okay, I murdered you. I murdered you. I murdered you. And we're like, 
where are you getting this? Where are you? And then the, the other day he heard a sound and my daughter's like, yeah, there was a bump. And he said, oh, I think someone just got murdered. Oh my God. <laughs> I was talking to my sister about this and she's like, oh, oh my gosh. Like I, I told a dog, like she has a puppy right now that drives her insane. Like a I year and a half. Old you. Yeah. She tells the dog I'll murder you. Yeah. But then also she's like, wait a minute. And she thinks about her partner and she's like, he watches Dateline. Oh my God. (laughs) Is he watching like the, the why women kill shows or whatever? Yeah. No more Dateline. Dateline is not a safe show for the toddler anymore. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I can't imagine that because the toddlers say and preschoolers say stuff at the most inopportune time. You'll be like enclosed on like a I don't know, like a elevator and like suddenly it stops and can't you just see him slowly turn his mom and being like, are you going to murder them, mom? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> well, he almost stood in the parking lot. He didn't want to go home. And so he screamed and he's like the murder scream. He's like, ah, murder! Are you serious? <laughs> My daughter's running away. Because another thing he did at the table, we were all at Zinburger. They have a location in Tucson, which is the most awesome place. And he's sitting across from me. He's like, okay, Auntie Joe. Oh, he holds his hand up in front of me. And he's like, open the did. And I'm like, okay. And I pull open his thumb. And he's like, okay, put your finger inside. I put my finger inside. Turn it around. I'm like, okay, I turn it around. Take it out. I took my finger out from his hand. And then he looks at me. He's like, thanks for cleaning my toilet. Oh, my God. <laughs> We all bust out laughing and we're like, where did you get this? Like, you don't go to preschool. Yeah, where does he get that? All of us are adults are like Googling on our phone. Thanks for cleaning my toilet. <laughs> Bluey. That's a Bluey thing? Okay, I've never yeah. seen Bluey. I know what Bluey is. I've seen clips of it. I've never actually watched it. Clearly, I need to. And my my sister's like, well, there goes Bluey as a safe show. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty tame, but it was it was hilarious. It's just I don't miss that twenty four seven all the time anymore. But I have to say, in little increments, it is so funny. It so, is so funny. It's fun. That that's my my jam is that age. But I'm I'm starting to come around to teens a little bit more. Mine are becoming a little bit more interactive. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits in teens. Like this this weekend, I was away from the house all day. And it was up north from my parents, like a 20-minute drive from my parents' house. And my sister's like, well, why don't you just have mom and dad bring the kids up here and then you can leave from here up back up to Phoenix. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. I had nothing packed at home. And so I'm like, hey, can I talk to my daughter? And she's – first of all, she's like, I'm on the phone already, mom. You're on speaker. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But then I'm like, hey, can you just – can you pack up all of my stuff for me? Can you just put it in and make sure I'm all good? And she's like, yeah, I could do that. And that's something that teenagers are great for because yeah. they have now those skills that they can really help out with yeah. and make your life so much easier. It's fantastic. And they're cool little people too. They have these little thoughts and stuff that are really interesting from from like human behavior. That's what I always look. They're little science projects every time. I'm looking at them at my little psychology projects. And so that's how I keep myself entertained when I'm bored to death. Okay. I don't – I'm trying to think like, hmm – I don't know. I guess maybe science projects. There's a lot of this didn't go great last time. We're going to try this differently, but it's just, it's constantly full of things these days. I, that it's funny at the beginning of the episode, we talk about the whole trying to keep up with their terms, their language. 
I won't even try. I do not even try. I just intentionally take all the slang I possibly can. How many can I use in one sentence the wrong way? <laughs> what, what's been your latest sentence? Oh, Let's try it now. Jesus, I don't try. know. It's been a while because I because I, they've learned they don't say any slang around me anymore at all because I, mm-hmm. I will just – I will kill it. Well, we could try. There's a Stanley, very popular with kids. This Stanley is bussin' no cap. I'm sure I definitely said stuff wrong there. <laughs> and probably it's cringy or croji. To... Oh, no. What was the other one that she had? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember it. Croji? Croji? No, it was. Croji? Croji? No, it, it, it. Oh, I know that word. I just hadn't heard it in a while. Okay. I don't want to keep everybody on trying to like get through my memory. I, I'd have to look it up to find it. But yeah, the whole like millennial term of us trying to use their slang. Like, I don't know. I just feel like we had way cooler slang, but that's just me. We had cooler slang and we weren't such pains in the butts to our parents sometimes. But then again, on the flip side, I do recall quite a bit as I'm going through things because I have decided that somehow my youngest, my daughter, is my sister's child. I, I somehow am raising my sister's child. And I'm like, that's not fair. That's not how this was supposed to work. I was the good rule follower. How do I have this kid that's like, okay, we're going to try this. Well, you didn't say that. You didn't specify. You said that I had to be home at 10, but you did not specify a.m. or p.m. So, you know, like that's what that's what my youngest would say. That must be fun. <laughs> oh, it keeps keeps you on your toes. We'll say that. Well, go get Gwenna's book, Mama Cusses, A Field Guide to Responsive Parenting and Trying Not to Be the Reason Your Kids Need Therapy. Pre-order it. When you pre-order an author's book, you're giving them a whole bunch more love than if you actually waited to buy it because that is how all the bestsellers lists come up. They look at pre-orders. So go pre-order Gwenna's book. Well, plus, if you're if you're part of our No Guilt Mom community, you probably love stickers and you get those yeah. stickers too. You can't miss out on stickers. And until next time, remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.